Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm Danny Gubby Freeland, joined today by my special co-host, Kurt Chase Patrick. And we, of course, will be talking about all of the good stuff in UFC 280, the most exciting fight card of the year, headlined by Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makashev and Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. We'll be breaking down those two fights as well as Sean O'Malley versus Piotr Jan. We'll give you all kinds of bonus fights that we'll also be breaking down. And as always, we're giving you the underdogs and the parlays as part of fights, dogs, and parlays. All of that giving you plus money on the return. And of course, you know this would not be an episode of TTP without the interviews kicking off the show this week. I am talking to Kai Bohayo, who is heading over to Abu Dhabi to fight Mahmoud Muradov. He talks about that as well as a little bit about his fight team, which is one of the lesser known fights teams out there. So it's really great stuff to hear. Plus, later on in the show, I will be talking to newly crowned Invicta 105 champion. That's, of course, Jillian DeCourcy, fresh off of her win over Jessica Delboni. She talks about that fight as well as her strong Twitter game and so much more. You're going to want to tune in for all that great content. But before you do, we have to let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast is brought to you by the Picket app. The Picket social betting platform allows you to sync all of the action from all your sports books all in one nice, neat little place. Not only that, but you can stay up to date on the bets of your friends. It is, after all, a social betting platform. So when they're dropping those bets, make sure to show off your big scores as well. It's a great place to not only interact with your friends, but also build a following if you're an up-and-comer in the sports betting world. Or hey, maybe you're even a well-established veteran trying to build that audience and expand out a little bit. Plus, in addition to it being a great place to get a following, there's so many cool features, but my personal favorite is how secure and private the app allows you to be. You never have to worry about your information winding up in the hands of some skeezy third party because they hide everything you need from the public, including if you really want to hide the dollar amounts and you just want to work on unit sizes of your own choosing, they got settings for that. But really, there's infinite reasons to love Picket. So whether you're a new or regular or even an experience better, stop what you're doing right now and join the Picket community today, which you can do by downloading the app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Picket sponsors this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready! For Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. Alright, and joining me today is Kai Bohio, who fights Mahmoud Muradov at UFC 280, that fight on October 22nd. So, Kai, obviously we got to start with the fact that you are now on the biggest card of the year, going halfway across the world to Abu Dhabi. What's it like getting to travel the world now for fighting and not just, you know, heading to the apex or whatever? Yeah, brother. Actually, actually I'm very excited for this card. You know, it's the biggest card of the year. And I think I deserve that I spot. I earned my spot in this car, you know. Uh, I dominated two high-level guys in my first two fights. I couldn't finish, but I dominated them. And I asked for the, for the fight, for the big arena, for the big show, for the crowd. And the UFC gave me, so I'm very happy, happy to be fighting Abu Dhabi. And I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I'm, tra- I'm traveling today to Abu Dhabi, actually. 
That that's awesome. Now uh, th- that's gonna just for for those who are listening and might not have the exact date. We're we're talking about recording this on Monday, October 10th. So that means you're gonna have about two weeks there. Was that by design so that you could sort of get acclimated, or or is there stuff that you you're yeah. planning on doing there? Yeah, actually, it was on purpose because I, I want to acclimate there. You know, like it's uh, from from Brazil, it's like seven hours apart, uh, and the time is seven hours. Apart. So yeah, it, it's better to get to the town earlier and acclimate with the time with the clean uh, with the weather and everything. You know, so it's on purpose, and I wanted to do that like this. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned Brazil and, and obviously this being a large card. So I got to get your thoughts on the main event before we, we talk too much about your fight. Tell us what you think about Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makhachev. Uh, bro, I think I think Charles is going to dominate this fight. You know, uh, Islam is a very good competitor. He's a very tough guy. He's, he's really very good in the UFC and his fights. But if you see all, all the guys that Oliveira fought and if you see all the guys that Makhachev fought, there's no even comparison of them, you know. So I think Oliveira is gonna dominate this fight and gonna win in a dominated fashion. <laughs> I I love the breakdown. Now, also, you know, you mentioned it being a bigger card. You've actually had really good spots on all of the prior cards you fought on, right? Like you've been co-main events a, m- a bunch of times. Obviously, you're not gonna be a co-main event for this one. The, uh, you know, a card that's got huge title fights and and tons of guys who are right next to the title contention, but. Is it better for you to be on a card like this and get that kind of exposure, or did you prefer the the co-main event spots a little bit? Uh, actually, the two is very, the two spots is very good, but uh, I think I prefer in a pay-per-view card, you know, because I'm very I'm very well collocated in this card. I'm, I'm the almost the last one in the preliminaries, you know, like the, there's not only one one more after my my fight in the preliminary. So I think it's a good position on the card. I think everybody's going to be watching already, like waiting for the main card and, and, and stuff. So I think this position is very good. Uh, but I love that the co-main event is a lot. Of, of course, I did two fights in the UFC, and the two fights was co-main event. So there's, there was a bunch of eyes on me too. But I think this pay-per-view card, yeah, it, it, it's good to be in this position, you know. If I was like the first or the second fight, I would prefer the co-main event for sure, but I'm very well in, in this car, so I'm happy. I'm very happy. <laughs> I love it. Now, I wanted to ask you something away from Abu Dhabi, away from your own fights for a second, because I noticed that your fight camp got a little bit extra hyped recently because Bruna Brazil, who fights out of Fighting Nerds as well, found her way to the UFC with a devastating knockout. We saw you in attendance at Contender Series what was it like getting to see yeah. one of your, your teammates punch their ticket to the big show? Oh, brother, it was so nice, man. I was so happy. Actually, I was extra happy. You know, I was screaming. The entire apex <laughs> was looking at me. <laughs> and people were thinking like, oh, this guy is crazy. What are you doing, man? I was so happy because uh, we we came on a long road, you know, man. Like, uh, we began this our team with me and one another guy, just two guys fighting. And then now we have like more than 20 athletes, active athletes. And we're starting to put ourselves, you know, we're starting to put ourselves in the, in the, in the good position on the MMA, you know, like now we have two already in the fighting, of the fighting heads in the UFC and we are planning to get two or three more next year, you know? So, 
Uh, people are going to hear a lot about our team, about the nerds, about the glasses, and everything will be awesome, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Now, now, tell me a little bit about that. So you said you started this team with just one other guy. It's just you guys, you know, sort of getting yourselves ready to fight more than anything. What, what first of all, led you to trying to start your own team and maybe not, like, you know, latching on to somebody else somewhere else? Oh, actually, it's not my team because I have my coaches and everybody. I, we started this together, me and my coach, Pablo. Uh, but, you know, like, when you go to a big, a big, a big, a big, uh, a big team, you know, a big team, there's a bunch of guys, there's a lot of good guys. So you don't get the attention that you need all the time, you know. So when you're like in a smaller team and you're building together this team with your coach and everything, I think all the attention uh, goes to you, all the attention goes to your camp. So I think it's better like this because I have everything that I need. You know, I have all the structure, like physiotherapist, uh, nutritionist, um, uh, physician, uh, strength conditioning coach, all the coaches from grappling, striking and everything. So I think it's better when you build up a team like this and, we're just gonna get some a lot of guys inside the, the big leagues, you know. That's what we want. I love it. Now you also mentioned the name Fighting Nerds, which is one of the more unique names in all of MMA. Yeah. How, how, how did that name come up? Where, where did you guys invent that name? Oh, actually, it's like uh, it's kind of two stuff. Uh, the first one is because we we noticed that we were studying fighting. All day, you know, like we were watching fights, we were trying to mimic all the things, and we we like to study about nutritionists, about the dehydration, the hydration. We were like a bunch of nerds of fighting, you know. <laughs> so uh, our approach to the game is a little bit a little bit different from other guys, you know. We study our, our opponents, we study the patterns that he had, and all this all these things. So we consider ourselves as a fighting nerd, you know. And there's something about the nerd that people people like to bully, you know, like to do some some bully in the schools with about the nerds and everything. So I think we can encourage people when we show them there's a bunch of nerds I kick are kicking some ass in the UFC, you know. So <laughs> I think it's more like encourage people, you know, like stop stop this fucking bully shit, you know. So the fight nerds arrive and it's really payback time. That's how we talk. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, I'm just going to ask you one more question about, obviously, Bruna, you know, waiting her for her first shot in the UFC. You know, like, wh- what do people have to look out for other than that dangerous head kick? What, give us a little bit of preview of what we're going to see from Bruna Brazil. Yeah, Bruna is a dangerous striker. He's a very dangerous striker. But her takedown defense is on point, you know, so it's, it's going to be hard to take her down. And if you take her down, he has the hook, she has the hooks and everything. But I think, he, I think her mentality is her strongest point. You know, her mentality, he's very confident and he likes, uh, he's training with my, my coach right now, Pablo, and he's the master of distance control. So he's getting, she's getting very good at it. So I think uh, it's gonna be hard to reach her. You know, that's that's the the most thing that that she has. I love it. I love it. Well, let's get back to talking about your fight because this is an exciting one. Once again, they've got you scheduled against a guy like Mahmoud Muradov, well-traveled dude, tons of experience in the UFC, and you know, a, a guy with some pretty good wrestling in there too, right? Mahmoud Muradov. Is that sort of the path you expect him to sort of take against you, or do you think he's going to keep it on the feet? 
Uh, no, I don't think he's gonna try to wrestle me, brother. <laughs> Actually, I think there's there's only a few guys in the division that is gonna try to wrestle with me. You know, they know uh, they know my level. They know what I did to a Dagestani wrestler, and I don't think he's gonna try to wrestle me. I think he's gonna try uh, to do what he do in all his fights: throw his right hand like crazy and try to get me one of the shots. You know. Uh, I think he's a very tough opponent, uh, very experienced, as you said. I think his strongest point is his, his experience, like 25 wins, you know, like 30-something fights. So, yeah, it's, it's good. It would be good to beat him, you know? He's the guy with 2 million followers. Uh, the former weather likes him and was talking a lot about him. So it's going to be good to beat this guy, you know, because all the eyes is going to be on me after that, you know? Absolutely. And you mentioned in there, you think there's only a couple of middleweights out there who would try to wrestle you. Most of them not going to do that. Do you, do you have ones that you think about having the, the ability or the, the desire to think they could wrestle you? Uh, on my head right now? I don't know, man. Actually, <laughs> I don't know because I think, I think in, the, in the middleweight division, I have one of the best wrestlings to MMA. You know, I, I, now we have this this guy. What's his name? Like uh, Bo Bo Nicol, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's he's a very he's a very good wrestler. I think his wrestling is better than mine. But when it when it comes to MMA and the way you adapt it to MMA, I think I think I have the best the best wrestling in the division and, and the best jiu-jitsu too. You know, I trained with MMA for like eight years. So if I get your back, you're not gonna get out. But now. I'm not. I'm not just gonna control you. Now I'm gonna do some damage. I'm gonna try to finish because I've been proving this part of my game all this camp. You know, so uh, I think I became more dangerous to my opponents, and you guys gonna see this in UFC 280. All right. Well, then I love ending these things with a prediction. Give us a prediction for UFC 280. How's this one end with Mahmoud Muradov? No, uh, I'm gonna submit this guy in the maximum two rounds. You're gonna see this. All right, well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Kai Bohayo, who fights Mahmoud Muradov at UFC 280, live from Abu Dhabi. That fight is on October 22nd. Kai, thank you so much for the time again. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, my brother. Thank you all, all, all uh, for all the love and support, and I'll see you in Abu Dhabi, okay? <laughs> Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Kai Bohio. I once again am Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined by my special co-host this week, Kurt Chase, Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, I want to start here. UFC 280, most loaded card I can remember in recent history. Tell me, what is the fight you're the most excited for this weekend? Oh, man. I, I mean, yeah, you're right. This card is just absolutely amazing. And it's kind of like a, I don't want to get too far off topic, but it's kind of like a like a like a hardcore fans dream. Right. Because there's not necessarily like a big seller on this card, but just top to bottom. This card is freaking amazing. Um, I mean, it's it's is it a cop out if I just go with the main event? I mean, I feel like it is because the fight's just so damn good, but I'll go elsewhere. I know it's a fight we're going to talk about, but honestly, dude, I am super stoked for this uh Peter Jan, Sean O'Malley fight. I, I think it's just bonkers. It's awesome that they made it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think the main event has the most intrigue to it, right? Because it's a guy who, who we've seen as the champ coming in as an underdog. And like I said, we'll get into that next. And I'm also just going to throw my hat into the ring for Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady, which doesn't even make the main card of this fight guard, which is the wildest thing to say. Because that fight is... Like, going to be a battle of guys who both have been really good at grappling lately, and 
maybe we wind up seeing him strike it out, which would kind of be lame, but maybe we just see, you know, a really high level grappling match. Um, and, and there's a ton of those on the card that just have like the weirdest style matchup. So before we, we dig too deep into any of those, we should uh, do our official intro. Uh, we are going to break down all of those fights, or at least three of our top favorite fights, as well as giving you an underdog and a parlay that we think will be profitable as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, which is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. So, of course, kicking off this fight card, the one we, of course, have to talk about first is Islam Makachev versus the the uncrowned champion, Charles Oliveira. I guess the best way to say it is the uncrowned champion, Charles Oliveira. Uh, the betting odds on this fight are kind of crazy. Uh, I, I've been thinking about them over and over again. The favorite in this fight is the, I'm going to call him the challenger, despite the fact it's not actually a challenger champion situation. Islam Makachev, negative 175 in this fight to Charles Oliveira at plus 150. Makachev obviously on a ridiculously long winning streak, dating all the way back to when he beat Chris Wade in 2016, September of 2016. This run has been long. This run has been impressive. And as of late, it's become much, much more violent. Charles Oliveira on a run of his own. The guy last lost to Paul Felder in 2017. After that, he's beaten, you know, Clay Guida, Jim Miller, Jared Gordon, but then rattled off wins over Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, and Justin Gaethje back to back to back to back. A crazy run. I'm going to let you kick it off. Who you got in this one? This, I'm, dude, it's just such a tough fight to call. I, it, it's crazy because it, it's like, what does Charles Oliveira have to do to get the respect he deserves, right? Because you look at this five-run streak he's on, Lee, Ferguson, Chandler, Poirier, Gaethje. Was he the favorite in any of those fights, honestly? Like, maybe, I don't think he was the favorite in the Kevin Lee fight. I mean, that was Tony right after the Gaethje fight, so who knows? Um, I want to say he was an underdog against Chandler. I know he was an underdog against Poirier. I, I'm pretty positive he was an underdog against Gaethje. He's still an underdog. I mean, 12 fights in a row. It's insane. Um, he's running into a buzzsaw, though, right? But if you look at those, I mean, Charles on, I believe, a 12-fight win streak. Islam's on a 10-fight win streak. But what's the major difference there? It's got to be the level of competition, right? And, again, Islam... He's fighting who he fights. He's fighting everyone that's been put in front of him. But, I mean, who's his best win? Dan Hooker? Yeah, probably. Dan, or, or, Armand or, Saryukian? Who yeah, pro- I was going to say Armand Saryukian, but that, that was short notice and uh, a, deb- a debut. So, like, you know, take that with whatever grain of salt you need to. I just – I think I just I, – I really just have to ride with, with who's hot here. And not that, and that – Maybe that's the wrong phrase, right? Because Islam Makhachev is, is as hot as they come. I mean, Charles Oliveira has just he, – he's killed every stigma about him that he's a quitter and yada, yada, yada. I mean, his his striking is insane. His grappling is deadly. Um, I just think that, that he's going to have the grappling to neutralize Makachev when it inevitably goes there because I don't think Makachev I, – I, I just don't think Makachev can win this fight on the feet. I think Charles – Striking is going to be the big difference here. I think Makachev is going to have success early. I think Charles is going to have to weather the storm like he's done so many times recently. I think he stops Islam in the third or fourth round 
um, I think he hurts him on the feet and, and finishes him from there. I, I 100% agree with you. I'm going to take Charles Oliveira in this fight, too. And the thing for me, you know, like you said, the strength of the schedule is clearly the first big indicator of why I'm taking Charles Oliveira here. But also, I will say this about Islam Makhachev. Like, you're definitely right. He's going to be the worst striker in this fight. And that, first and foremost, is probably the biggest alarm. The second biggest alarm is look back to any time he's fought somebody who kind of resembles Charles Oliveira. And he hasn't fought anybody even close to that ability level. But, like let's talk about his fight with Davi Hamosh, right? Like he fought Davi Hamosh five fights ago. That was part of his, his wild run. He only attempted one takedown in a three round fight because at the bottom line was he didn't want to be on the ground with Davi Hamosh. He, he didn't want to be on the ground with Davi Hamosh. And to that, that similar extent, not that he didn't have success on the ground, but in a five round fight with Tiago Moises, he only attempted six takedowns, and he was on the ground for eight minutes, which is decent, right? Like, eight minutes of control is good, but eight minutes out of 25 is still not like the Habib-esque performance we're talking about. We're talking about guys, you know, who, who can put it on people, who can, you know, hold them down nonstop for 25 minutes or until they quit. This guy, or, or rather, that, that fight with Tiago Moises did end at, in the fourth, my bad. So it was, it was 22 minutes or something like that, or 20 minutes. But, like, he still only spent, like, half that time on the ground, and he decided to strike more often with Tiago Moises. He decided almost to exclusively to strike with Davi Hamosh, and those are the jiu-jitsu guys he's fighting. And don't get me wrong, he had success on the ground, but I think against a much higher level dude in Charles Oliveira, and a guy who he isn't going to have all that much success on the feet with, I think he's going to struggle. And I, I think you're definitely right, this is probably a late finish for Charles Oliveira, but ultimately I think there's no way Tiago or, uh, if Tiago Moises weathered the storm for four rounds, there's no way he's about to get Charles Oliveira out there earlier than that. So, yeah, I'm going with Charles Oliveira as well. And that brings us to our second title fight on this card, which is another really exciting one. And that's Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw, the former champ, trying to get his belt back up against the champ Aljamain Sterling. So Aljamain Sterling you know, an amazing run in his own way. He he lost Marlon Rice all the way back in 2017. Since then, he's beat Brett Johns, Cody Stamen, Jimmy Rivera, Pedro Munoz. He not, he choked out Corey Sanhagen. He beat Piotr Jan in back-to-back fights, once by an illegal knee and once by just absolutely backpacking the dude for 25 straight minutes. An incredible run for Aljamain Sterling. TJ Dillashaw, meanwhile, did not lose his title, but was forced to relinquish it after testing positive for EPO. Since then... He has a split decision win over Corey Sanhagen, and that's it. Uh, that's all he's done since then, but it earned him a title shot against Aljamain Sterling. So, my question for you, are you riding with the old champ, or do you like the new blood in Aljamain Sterling? Oh, and I got- before, I, before I move, I got to go uh, odds real quick. Aljamain Sterling, negative 170, TJ Dillashaw, plus 145. I'm, I'm glad they got the odds right, by the way, because I, I think that Aljamain Sterling really... We talked a little bit about this off air the other day. Aljamain Sterling gets shit on uh, a lot of different ways for for reasons that still confuse me, and a lot of it stems from the illegal knee, which, by the way, he did not throw. He was on the receiving end of a extremely hard knee, right? Uh, and yeah, he played up. He played that up a bit, and, and you know, people might not like that, but the dude is a freaking stud. His grappling is so. So good. His striking has gotten a lot better. He's athletic as hell. Um, and yeah, we just haven't seen much from TJ in, you know, what, the last three years? And and the thing is, too, it's not like TJ was just 
sitting on the sidelines. I mean, I'm, I want to say TJ had two major shoulder surgeries in that time off. Um, he did look pretty good against Corey Sanhagen, but again, TJ's not getting any younger. He's 36 years old now. Um, definitely had some time off. I'm riding with Aljamain Sterling, the champion here. I think he gets it going. I think TJ will have some success on the feet. Um, obviously, TJ's footwork and movement is, is a weapon for him. But, man, Sterling has great cardio. I think he's going to find enough takedowns. I do think this is probably going to be one of those razor-thin fights that might go to a split decision. But I do think Aljo is going to do enough to retain his title. Yeah, and I'm going to ride with you as well there. Look, I, I think TJ Dillashaw has good wrestling. But I don't think he's fought anybody who's had also good wrestling and good jujitsu, right? Like he's fought Dominic Cruz, a guy with like no submissions, but good wrestling. And he made that like a really good fight. He's fought guys like Joe Soto, who have amazing jujitsu, but very little wrestling. And like if you go back and look at his record, it's pretty much one way or the other, right? Like guys who have really good wrestling or guys who have really good jujitsu and never really both. And as a result, he's never really been held down or he's never really been kept in the position where, like, he's in trouble all the time. And I think that that's going to be the difference maker here if this does go to the cards is that Aljamain Sterling gets those advantageous positions and he transitions to the back so well or he transitions to a side control so well. And whether or not TJ Dillashaw has been good at escaping other people's versions of those, it's a whole new ballgame. He's never fought anybody like this. And... The other thing that I I think a lot of people forget about TJ Dillashaw is he uses his wrestling as a way to offset what you're doing on the feet, right? Like he did that to John Lineker. John Lineker wound up getting outstruck by TJ Dillashaw, but it's because he was terrified he was about to get taken down. You could say similar things about Rafael Asuncao to an extent, what he did to Corey Sanhagen, you could say similar things. Like he, he was trying to put off put Corey Sanhagen, but he was 2-19 against Corey Sanhagen. He tried 19 takedowns. He got two of them. And, yeah, that, that that's a crazy number, right? Like, to try 19 takedowns and only get two of them. Aljamain Sterling is a better grappler than Corey Sanhagen. Not by a little bit, by a lot of it. So, I, I'm going Aljamain Sterling here all day. And I'll say this. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the first person to submit TJ Dillashaw. I know that submission prop is riding right around negative 500, or plus 500, rather. So, like... Hey, that's, that's not bad value in that one either. So that brings us to our third and final fight that we are going to break down officially, and that's Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley. So Piotr Jan is on a little bit of a seat here. The aforementioned Al Jermaine Sterling did take him out two times in a row, although Piotr Jan did have an intermittent win in there over Corey Sanhagen, a very exciting back-and-forth fight. Before that, he beat Jose Aldo, so he's 2-2 two and two in his last four fights. Sean O'Malley, meanwhile, has not been beat in four straight fights uh, after losing that weird leg kick conundrum to Marlon Vera. He beat Thomas Almeida, Chris Motino, Rowan Pivia, and then had a weird eye poke no contest to Pedro Munoz, a fight where some judges had him losing the first round to Pedro Munoz. He's rewarded with a huge step up against Piotr Jan and possibly a number one title fight or number one title contenders fight. Piotr Jan, Huge betting favorite, negative 305 to Sean O'Malley's plus 255. Who you got? Dude, I sit here right now, and it's crazy to me to say I I, I really – I don't know. I, I Answer me this. Is is Peter Jan not, like, the toughest possible non-title fight, like, in MMA right now? 
I think so. Yeah. Or, you know, like, so I have a whole bunch of people in, in UFC right now who I consider the one B's in their division. They're not even twos. They're the one B's in their division. And for me, those one B's in their division are Max Holloway. Max Holloway is a one B in his division. Uh, Robert Whitaker, one B in that division. Uh, if we go back before Kamara Usman was upset, I would have said the same thing about Colby Covington. He was a 1B in his division. Piotr Jan is the 1B in this division. He he was beating Aljamain Sterling in that fight until he threw that illegal knee. And then he came back, and technically it was a split decision, but he had another close fight with Aljamain Sterling. He probably close to winning this one. So, yeah, he's he's the toughest fight in this Bantamweight division. That's not Aljamain Sterling. I mean, he is just so good. He just has so many holes. But the thing about O'Malley is, like, and, yeah, I, I know, like, O'Malley really doesn't have anything to lose here, right? I mean, he's the number 13 ranked guy going against the number one guy. Um, but, man, like, he's had two step ups. Um, and they've been super, like you said, just super weird. Uh, you know, the, the Marlon Vera fight, which was a clear win for Marlon Vera, injury caused by his kick. But again, like, it was a weird leg injury. And then the fight with Pedro Munoz, we don't get any answers. And it's like, now we step it up against Piotr Jan, and I mean, I'm, I'm gun to my head, I'm going to say Jan. I think the betting odds are perfect. I think Jan should be a big favorite. As we just said, Jan is so damn good, but man. This is a good one. This is one of those fights where I genuinely have no idea. I give them both props um, for stepping up and taking this, honestly. And, uh, I mean, dude, the winner is obviously getting a title shot next, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you entirely. I'm going to take Piotr Jan here, too. And here's the reason why I think I'm going to pick him. Piotr Jan is an expert when it comes to game planning. I, I truly think he's, like, one of the smarter guys out there when it comes to game planning. Because we've seen him transform what he does from time to time, right? Like if you look at that Corey Sanhagen fight, he he was getting into the clinch and mixing it up and beating Corey Sanhagen there. But like, if you go to the Aljamain Sterling fight before that, he, he was like leg tripping, you know, Aljamain Sterling and putting him on his back and making him think about that so that he couldn't set anything else up. He's changed what he does against the type of people he's fighting and he knows the game plan that he wants to go in and beat a guy. And yeah, he didn't beat Aljamain Sterling the second time, but everybody else has fallen to Piotr Jan. And the thing I'm thinking about Sean O'Malley is the dude is kind of like Nate Diaz in the way that he just doesn't give a shit about checking leg kicks. And I'm not just talking about the Marlon Vera fight. Go back and watch Pedro Munoz in that two round fight or one and a half round fight. I think he, I saw somewhere the, the stat that he kicked Sean O'Malley successfully kicked Sean O'Malley in the legs 26 times in like seven minutes. That dude's getting kicked three times a minute in his legs. And, you know, Piotr Jan, not known as an expert kicker, not known as a guy who goes, you know, to the calf kick or to the oblique kick or to anything like that. But you mean to tell me he's not going to come out with that kind of strategy and just absolutely wear away Sean O'Malley in the second and third round? And he's a patient guy. That's the other thing. Sean O'Malley's looking to exploit people overextending themselves and pick them apart. Ain't going to happen with with Piotr Jan. The dude fights smart. So, yeah, of course, I'm going with Piotr Jan here. Negative 305, like you said, way too steep. But I'm taking Piotr Jan. So, that does it for our big three fights. We'll touch upon some other ones a little bit later in the show. But before we do that, we, of course, got to give you our 
exclusive underdogs and parlays. So we're going to start with the underdog. I will give my guest, Kurt, the first pick. So, Kurt, who do you got for your underdog of the night? There's a lot of good underdogs on this card, honestly. There's a, there's a couple that I really like. Um, tough call, but I'm going to go with Volkan Uzdemir. Um, I know Volkan's been on a little bit of a rocky path lately, but man, the guy still has dynamite in his hands. He just came off an impressive, albeit awkward win over Paul Craig, but that's what Paul Craig does. <laughs> um, I mean, he stood in there for three rounds with Magomed Ankalaev, um, and Nikita Krylov, while good and explosive himself, he's not prone to getting finished. Uh, I'm going, I'm going St. Pru. Uh, by finish. Although, I mean, looking at his record, Krylov, most of his uh, finish losses have been by sub. But I think uh, I think Uzdemir is going to get him out of there. And he's sitting at what? He's sitting at plus one forty-five. So you're getting decent odds. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I had that one probably as one of the ones I was considering. The thing about Nikita Krylov is he is just so hot or cold, right? Like he's looked like an absolute killer in some fights. And he's looked like an absolute idiot in other fights. So it's so hard to trust him, especially at negative value. So yeah, Volkan Ozdemir is a good play there. My official play, I'm going to take AJ Dobson. He's betting off at plus 180. He's fighting Armand Petrosian. Petrosian is obviously the name side of this fight, a guy who is a, a pretty big name kickboxer. But if you go back and you look at all three of his fights, his, his two fights in the UFC and his one fight in Contender Series, the dude does not defend a takedown well. Uh, he gave up four takedowns to Kaipo Ohio. He gave up two to Gregory Rodriguez. And he gave up two on Contender Series to a guy by the name of Kaloyan Kolovev. And, and, like, that's – so that's, you know, nine takedowns he's given up in, like, a little bit over seven rounds. A little bit under seven – a little bit over seven rounds. So, like, that is a real lot of takedowns. He's only defending about 30% of them, which is definitely not good. And he's fighting a guy in AJ Dobson who is trained by Matt Brown and Mark Coleman and comes from a wrestling background. Like that—that that is a recipe to getting held down and getting beat up for 15 minutes. So give me the wrestler, uh, AJ Dobson, to just control the kickbox for 15 minutes and pick up plus 180. Now that brings us to our second favorite part of this segment, which is the parlay. We're going to give you two fights that come together and give you plus money. So once again, I cede to my co-host, Kurt. Kurt, who you got in your parlay? So for this one, I'm going to go with two favorites. Um, I, I really, really like Manon Fierro. Um, I think this is going to be a showcase for her. Again, she's in that strawweight division. Uh, she probably honestly gets a title shot, especially if she wins in impressive fashion here. Maybe they give her one more, but... I don't know, man. She's looked really good. And, and I'm going to pair her with Mateus Gamrot. Um, I have a buddy that trains with Gamrot, and he said the guy is one of the strongest people he's ever gone with. Uh, my friend wrestles Division uh, 2. Uh, he says he gets manhandled by Gamrot. Uh, Gamrot also has insane cardio. Um, this should be a grappling-heavy bout. I, I, I feel like Darius may have a little bit of of advantage on the feet, but I think Gamrot is going to be able to take that, get some takedowns and it's going to be a very fun fight. Uh, those two paired together gives you plus 127 odds. I love that. You literally picked two of my absolute favorite fighters on this card. I've been trying to stay away from picking the people who I'm just like a total mark for and Manal Firo, Matthews Gamrot are definitely two of the ones I am. So I went a slightly different direction. I'm going to take 
Guest of the show this week, Kai Bohayo, in his fight against Mahmoud Muradov. The dude has been out there absolutely dominating the grappling game. I just talked about how he controlled Armin Petrosian for three rounds. But he's he's done it to more than Petrosian. He did it on Contender Series to a Russian guy. Um, and and he's, he did it in his debut, too. So I'm going to take him to control Mahmoud Muradov here. And I, I think he gets the finish, too. And I'm going to pair that with Carol Rosa. She's kicking off the fight card. She's negative 250 against Lena Landsberg, who has really not looked the same since her long layoff. Rosa, you know, had a little bit of a setback to a wrestler. But so far, that's really been her only kryptonite being put on her back. Lena Landsberg not going to do that. So pair Bohayo and Carol Rosa. It's a kind of a cheap victory here. But I'm going to take plus 102 just barely over that threshold to get us into plus value. So... That's going to do it with our official fight stocks and parlays, but we're going to quickly kick it off and talk about one or two more fights that we are most excited about because this is the most loaded card in recent memory, so we didn't want to send you guys home empty-handed. So the next one I'm going to ask you about, and I mentioned it at the top of the show, I know you're taking Matthews Gamera, and I know you're taking Manolo Firo, so I'm going to ask you about maybe my third favorite fighter on this card, and that's Sean Brady versus Bilal Muhammad. Gun to your head, who are you taking in this one? Man, that's a tough fight. Uh, I mean, Bilal is, is, has fought the better fighters to this point. He's on a sick, sick run right now. Last loss coming all the way back in 2019 to Jeff Neal. Uh, but dude, Sean Brady is a stud. Uh, I'm going to go with Brady, man, honestly. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that Brady's the favorite here. Um, I thought it'd be kind of uh, either Bilal a slight favorite or dead even odds, but you can get some decent money on Bilal. But, uh, man, I'm going Brady. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be one of those grimy dogfights. Um, this honestly the same as Benil Darius and Mateus Gamrat. I think both of those fights are going to be super competitive, super close. And, uh, I mean, dude, honestly – there, there's a couple fights in this card that could be headlining five round, uh, you know, non pay per view bouts. It, it's just insane. Yeah, I think all of the top six fights could do that, right? Like, you know, the, we mentioned the five on the main card between the two title fights: Piotr Jan, O'Malley, uh, Darius Gamra, and Chokagi and Firo. They all could. Mohamed Brady could. You could probably say Kreloff versus Ozdemir could headline a, a fight night. People would probably complain like crazy, but it probably could. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm with you on this one for for this bonus fight. I'm gonna take Sean Brady. I, I think ultimately I think his wrestling is just a little bit better than Bilal Muhammad's. Uh, I know Bilal Muhammad has like out wrestled a couple of people, and his defensive wrestling is especially good, right? Like I, I was really impressed with the way he just stayed away from everything Damian Maya was trying to do. But Sean Brady is not Damian Maya. Sean Brady is not. Wonderboy Thompson, you know, Sean Brady is not the type of people Bilal Muhammad has fought. He He's a strong wrestler. And really, if you're looking for the strongest wrestler that Bilal Muhammad has fought, you know, you might say somebody like Vicente Luque, but Vicente Luque didn't really try to wrestle him all that much. So what are, what are we talking like? Maybe Diego Lima, uh, Tim Means, Randy Brown. Like we're not really talking about Bilal Muhammad fighting exceptional wrestlers. Whereas we just saw Sean Brady Go toe-to-toe with Michael Chiesa and come out on top of that fight. That shows me he can beat a guy with some good wrestling and some good jiu-jitsu. So I, I like him in this. I, I think Bilal Muhammad, should this stay on the feet too long, does have a slight advantage there. But I think at the end of the day, the fact that he's not much of a finisher will probably wind up costing him here. So yeah, I'm going Brady too. 
Any other, uh, before we, we close this one out, any other big ones that you just want to circle or prospects you're excited about? I mean, Mahaba Makayev is on the undercard. That guy is just an absolute stud. Um, again, he's going to be one to watch for very soon. I love the, I love the Muradov, uh, Bahalio fight, honestly, too. That's one of my favorites on this card. Uh, dude, it's just a really, really good card, top to bottom, and it's just capped by, Honestly, dude, one of the the best main events I think we're getting in in, in a while. I can, I can honestly say that. I mean, these are two guys at the peak of their powers with contrasting styles, um, different fan bases. I mean, you got the Khabib element um, hanging in the wings, still saying there's a 25% chance he comes back if Oliveira does uh, submit Makachev. But man, this whole card is freaking awesome. Yeah, I don't think I've gone into a main event feeling less certain about what's going to go down in a really long time. And don't get me wrong, I've been wrong about main events. But at the end of the day, I felt more certain than I did this time because it is just an absolutely wild stylistic matchup. So we hope you guys enjoy those fights. Remember, they start bright and early, 10 a.m. for the prelims, 2 p.m. for the main card on pay-per-view. And we want to thank you guys for tuning in once again to Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. And now... Before we let you go, we do have to transition to my last interview of this episode, which, of course, is with Invicta Atomweight champion Jillian DeCourcy, who is fresh off that title victory over Jessica Delboni. She talks, of course, about her title reign, what she is expecting to do next, her strong Twitter game, and so much more. It's a very entertaining interview, so we hope you tune in, and you can do that, of course, right now. All right, and joining me today is Jillian DeCourcy, fresh off her Atomweight title victory at Invicta over Jessica Delboni. So, Jillian, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time during your, let's call it a, a victory tour. Uh, yes, <laughs> that sounds good. All thank right. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course, of course. So, now, I, I've, of course, got to ask the question of any fresh champion has it set in yet? Do you, do you did it finally dawn on you? You are the best atom weight in the world at this point. Um, I think it's definitely starting to set in a little bit, um, but it's still it's still very like surreal. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense, and and I'm assuming you know like that that moment she taps, the moment you know they put the belt on the waist, those are all big moments, but like you know. What does it look like for you in the week after that? You know, I've seen your social media. You're walking around wearing the belts everywhere you possibly can. But but what has it been like, you know, like for, for people coming up to you or people calling you? You know, I, obviously your Twitter's blowing up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a lot more attention, obviously. Um, and, you know, just trying to stay like myself and like not, you know, with some people they win like a, a big fight, a big title and it goes to their head. Um, that's not who I am. So it's more just kind of staying grounded. Um, you know, obviously it's like, you know, my my had like a little family celebration over the weekend, uh, which was super cute. Like lots of little things like that, like coming into the gym is like different. Um, but it's all like 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 uh, kind of cool stuff. Awesome, that's awesome to hear. And I, I heard you in saying say there that you are, you know, it's really important for you to both stay grounded and to stay who you are. And I wanted to talk to you about that persona, too, because that that's something that a lot of people have said about you. Obviously, like, your Twitter is, is one of the most popping Twitters of any UFC, <laughs> Invicta, Elephant, you know, like any big-level fighter here. And, and I've seen the story come up. I'm not going to ask you the story about how your agent said you should do more Twitter. I've, I've seen you put it on your right. Twitter yourself. But 
Could you tell me a little bit about what it was like when you first started doing that, when you first started kind of like, you know, putting yourself out there rather than just putting out, you know, the fighter persona? Um, it was, well, because like, it, that was like always something that was like, it's like a struggle, right? Like, um, cause people only know it like as like fighters and like, you know, the fight persona. So it's like, there's so much more to me than just that. Um, so that just kind of happened, um, naturally by like just being more active and, um, just really being like, being able to just be myself and being like, okay, well, this is who I am, whether I get fights because of this or not, um, who cares, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be true to myself. Um, and it seems to have worked out great. And um, it's become more than like, I, I, I guess I hoped it to be because it's like definitely influencing other people to be like, wait, no, I don't need to buy into this whole like, macho fight uh, persona. I can just be, I can be me and it's okay. And out of curiosity, were you surprised when it when it went well? Like, I don't mean to, to, to make it sound like it should go badly or anything like but, that. But, you know, Twitter is notoriously a toxic space. Were, were you surprised right. that it was just like a uh, positive energy coming at you? Um, Yeah, like, because it, it wasn't like the intent. It was just like the intent was just like I was having, struggling getting fights, struggling. Um, so I was like, OK, this is a way like, you know, an easier way to kind of like stay more active on social media. Um, so it wasn't like the actual intent. It just kind of happened naturally. And I think that's why it's a positive response, too, because it wasn't trying for that. It was just all natural. That, that's awesome to hear. And, and I know you mentioned a second ago that, that there were some people who feel like they now can be a little bit more like themselves. Yeah. Is, is that something that people have told you that they've been able to do because of your Twitter or is it something you've just noticed more of, you know, sort of around you in your, your so-called Twitter bubble? Um, no, it's definitely like, um, I'll get like messages, especially after the, the fight. Um, you know, a lot of people just reaching out and being like, thank you, you know, for being like, you know, kind of real, just being able to be yourself. Um, you know, like it's inspired me to be able to just, you know, be me and not have to like, you know, be fake. I love it. I love it. Now, I am going to ask you real quickly, and we're going to stop talking about Twitter, I swear. But we're, I, I have to ask you about some of my favorite of your your, your sort of Twitter go-tos, because you've got a few of them that I see all the time. <laughs> and my, my two favorite ones, I, I got to ask you, the weird food toppings. When somebody says, what you putting on this steak, and suddenly you've got four of the weirdest ingredients, is that something you do in your everyday life? Like, if somebody asks you, what, what are you putting on this, are you answering the most sarcastic way you possibly can? <laughs> um, not typically. Um, it depends. It depends on what people are asking me. Like, uh, sometimes it'd be like a snarky remark. Um, but that's just like, you know, it's kind of like one of those things you do once and it gets lots of laughs and it's like, oh, all right, let's just be ridiculous with this, right? Um, and it, it's also social media. So it's like, yeah, sometimes you got to be ridiculous. <laughs> I dig it. And then my other personal favorite one is the nickname ones. Every single time you see a funny phrase in somebody's post, instantly that should be your fight nickname. Now, I know you're the Lionheart, so you're not replacing the Lionheart. Has there ever been one you were close to using in replacement, even in jest? Um, no, but it just becomes like it's like, um, I mean, because in different gyms, like I have different nicknames too. Like now I'm getting announced as like Jilly Bean, Lionheart, Decorsi. Um, so it just becomes like different people do call me different names. Um, and that's just become like a big goof off. I love, can, can you share one, maybe the most ridiculous one you can think of that people actually real deal call you? 
Um, the most I would I would say probably Jelly Bean is the most ridiculous one. Because <laughs> right. um, it's it's they at my one gym they literally don't use my name at all. <laughs> like in the corner, like in the corner for my fight, my my uh, coach from my from Long Island MMA was like we were having a conversation and he was calling me Jelly Bean like from the corner, which is like ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, so let's let's get back to talking about fights because obviously this win is big and it's big in a bunch of ways, but it's also big because it was huge for exposure in the Attaweight division, a division that a lot of pundits, a lot of experts out there have said this, this is a long time coming for some bigger shows, right? right? Like Bellator doesn't have a 105. The UFC right. doesn't have a 105. What do you think is one of the reasons maybe why they haven't added those divisions? And, and what has to happen in order for them to realize like, hey, this is a division stacked with, you know, amazing competitors that, that needs to be on a larger scale? Right. Um, I mean, I honestly don't really know why. Um, I mean, every time I get asked that question, I'm like, if UFC didn't have, like, the 145 division, I'd be like, okay, whatever. They're just sticking to, like, the three main ones. It is what it is. But because they kind of still have that 145 division, it's like it just makes it really unfair um, where, you know, that division, I feel like there's not, there's not that much going on in it. Um, and a lot of the girls that you even find wouldn't ever be close to being in the UFC in any other weight class. Where 105, like, you have a huge talent pool, and nine times out of ten, 105 fights are super exciting. A- absolutely. Some of the, the best fights of all time have been at 105. Now, I- I'm curious, too, because it, obviously Invicta has a, a very large 105 division, right? We got the Alicia Zapatellas, but- and, and we got the, you know, the Lindsey Van Zandt, and obviously you just beat Jessica Delboni. But there's also tons of 105ers out there in, in Ryzen, in 1FC, in all places like right. that. Is, is your mind mostly set on staying here in Invicta, defending this a bunch of times? Or do you got your eyes on cross-promotional kind of stuff, maybe in the two or three fight future? Um, I mean, I haven't really thought like that for an advance. Um, kind of, it's like one fight at a time. I definitely want to, you know, defend this and um, see where that kind of takes me. And then it's all like about like, what opportunities kind of present themselves and see what makes sense at, you know, different points in my career. Um, but, yeah, I've been with Invicta for a long time now, and they've always treated me really well. So it's like, you know, it has to be something that, like, uh, an opportunity where you can't say no to um, because I am, like, uh, I'm a loyal person too, and it's like, you know, if like I'm not getting fights or something like that, then it's different. But they, you know, they definitely have been good to me. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious, too, like you said, only one fight at a time. So we're, we're already thinking about the first defense. You might be, you know, resting a little bit and getting back into shape. But with with that being said, what do you think is the most logical next fight for you? Is it a, you know, a rematch with Jessica Delboni being that she was the champ, being that she defended it? Or do you got your eyes set on maybe a different challenger who's kind of made their name recently? Um, I mean, as far as this is, um, like, you know, an uh, automatic rematch, I don't think it should be an automatic rematch. Um, it was a first-round finish, right? Um, you know, it wasn't that, like, we went to, you know, we were a five-round split decision war, right? Then it's like, yeah, like, either side of it, should, you know, should be a rematch. But this would be, you know, if it was an automatic rematch, that's our fourth title fight in a row, right? Um, and even when, you know, the first fight she had with Alicia, it was it was a controversial loss, right? But she had to work to get that back. She had to go through the tournament. She had to win the tournament and then get her rematch. So I think there should be some work that has to be done to get there. 
um, as far as anyone else that's like up there. I mean, you know, a lot of people are chirping, um, saying that they, you know, they, they want it. I don't know, you know, who's actually proven to deserve it. I think there's going to probably be a contender fight or something. Um, and then the winner of that, just how, like, when I fought Lindsay, that was like pretty much a unofficial, um, like, you know, number one contender fight. And it was like, okay, whoever won was, you know, pre- pretty in line um, to be able to call for the title shot. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, I got to ask you, because at the beginning of this interview, we were talking about, you know, the fact that you were having a tough time fighting fights. You were having a tough time, you know, getting people to want to fight you. You were having a tough time fighting promoters who wanted to promote you. You're now talking about mm-hmm. literally everybody in a whole division wanting to fight you. <laughs> and right now, yeah. how, how crazy is that to even consider? And, and we're talking like, that was like a year ago. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's just, just a wild turn of events, right? Um, I think it just, it just, you know, when you're at the top, everybody wants to take what you have. That That's for sure. Now, you know, we're, we're almost to the end of this interview. Usually I'm, I'm asking fighters on their way into battle what they're predicting. But, you know, you're in a little bit different of a situation. You're just fresh out of the cage. Probably got a couple bumps and bruises. It was a quick fight, but maybe a couple of bumps and bruises. When do you feel like getting back in there at this point? Um, I mean, I'm thinking like probably springtime, um, you know, give myself like, um, like I'm back to training already. Um, I'm pretty much recovered. I had like a great weight cut, so I don't really have to recover from that. Um, but I had two like really tough long camps back to back. Um, I was pretty much in camp from, um, like February, like all the way till, you know, this fight, um, with only like a couple weeks in between. So I definitely want some like time to like reset, um, kind of fine tune some, some, you know, my game, um, like close up to any holes that are there that, you know, the next person might try and, uh, capitalize on and, you know, just really make sure like, I'm I'm solid for that defense. Well, we are looking forward to it whenever it is. Once again, fans, this has been Jillian DeCourcy, fresh off her Adam Waite title victory over Jessica Delboni. Jillian, thank you again so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social and Picket, the social betting platform. And as a reminder, you can check us out on social media at Top Turtle MMA on both Twitter and Instagram. And until next week, I'm David Gumby Freeland. He was Kurt Chase Patrick. And we will catch you then.